Hey everyone, I am so uh, glad that Pastor Andreas Nelson has been with us the last two weekends and um, it's been amazing. You guys have enjoyed uh, his preaching and teaching and God's really uh, done a great work over the last two weekends. And Andreas, thank you for what you're doing. We really appreciate you and we love Hillsong Stockholm and Hillsong Sweden. And um, we're so proud to be a part of this in a small way as God's using you guys to reach the whole nation that's you know, basically, you know, atheistic, but yet God's using you to change a nation. And you're also making a huge difference now in Ukraine um, in the middle of this terrible war. Um, tell us about that. Um, yeah, first, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it so much, me and my family. We, we feel at home. I feel like I'm, the, um, the, I'm uh, a Texan living in Sweden. <laughs> But uh, so, so we're very grateful, and, and, and uh, I got to say, we've learned so much by being here every year, and from you and your leadership, we're so grateful, and we thank you and honor you for that. Yes, with Ukraine, it's been, uh, it's been a couple of crazy months. We've had, uh, we have a church in, uh, in Ukraine, uh, in Kiev, and Lviv, and Odessa, and, uh, you know, uh, we've been trying to run point from Sweden, helping out our church in Ukraine, and it's just been, um, how do you... How do you lead a church? How do you navigate a church? And how do you pastor people during a war? And there's Can't no school imagine. to go to that. And, and, and you're a, our pastor there. You and Natasha have done such an amazing job. And, but to see a country that is so close to us, you geographically fall apart. Mm -hmm. uh, to see people suffer that much. To have uh, mothers and children finding out their husbands and fathers are dying on the front line. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to pastor a church and... People are on the run, and they have to run down in bomb shelters, and they, uh, uh, food supply runs out, and, and, and infrastructure runs out, and, and it's different in different parts of Ukraine, of course, but, uh, and, and that's coming out of a pandemic, so it's not like church was super organized before, and it's been, um, um, you know, you can look at it at news, and, uh, but when you get there and you see it in your own eyes, it's the, it's the despair, it's the lifelessness. We've had... Uh, We've taken in hundreds and hundreds of Ukrainian children in our church. And they come to our church in Sweden. And you see on their face, they're almost dead in their face. It's like they're not alive. But when they get to play football in a little bit for like 10, 15 minutes, get some ice cream, get, get a shower, it's like they come alive again. And it's the trauma and it's the anxiety and uh, knowing that um, they don't know the outcome of it. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we watch the news and we see, you know, the pain and the things that they're going through, but it's just like something so far away to us. And then I think about um, the pastor there and his wife, Yura and Natasha, and they're right there in the middle of all this. And you went in there to be a help to your dear friends. And, um, you know, it wasn't just on the news anymore. How did it hit you when you go into this war zone? I can't even imagine pastoring a church in a war zone. Yeah, um, I went to Ukraine pretty early on uh, against all advice, uh, kind of <laughs> yeah. in my personality, yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, we strapped up and we drove in uh, on the northern parts of the border between Poland and Ukraine, close to Belarus. I really had it in my heart to go see the team and go visit with them and uh, just to tell them that they're not alone. They're not forgotten. And you know how the world is. We... We have these terrible things happen for a few days, and then we yes. move on. Yes, that's And right. I, I just had my heart to go there. So we went there, and uh, early on, we tried to deliver uh, uh, armor-plated vests because, 
you see on the news how they're bombing uh, building, apartment buildings. And what happens is the young people and people like us, they can run and they can leave. But the old people, they can't leave because they can't get out of their apartments. So they're stuck there with no food, no water, no medicine. So we've had team who's every night been running out in, in, in the shelter of the darkness, delivering food and medicine and water. But sometimes they've had bombs uh, going down like 50 to 100 yards away from their cars. Oh and they've been shot at. So, mm. so I wanted to give them armor-plated vest and want to give them some satellite phones in case everything shut down. So we drove in there. It's a lot of checkpoints. Mm. You have young guys, you know, who never held a gun before, pointing AK-47s in your face at, at different checkpoints. And wow. you see a country that are on such high alert mm. and are so scared. And you literally, uh, you see people just pretty much left stuff where they were and trying to flee for the border. At the borders, they were leaving cars and horses, all kinds of stuff, just left it there to get out of the country. And it's, I've never been in that kind of war uh, or or that kind of state uh, of a situation, but it it was unreal. And the pain and the devastation you see on the news becomes very real when you're there. Totally different thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And having to run down in bomb shelters, sometimes 15, 16, 17 times every night, you oh fall my. asleep, then the siren goes off, and oh you've got to my. run into bomb shelters. And I know a lot of you have asked us, what can we do at Willand Church to really help, especially the Christ followers and the churches here? And Yura and Natasha are just there ministering, and you guys are ministering to them. So we want to partner with you to, to help them. And uh, I know, church, you're going to pray for Yura and Natasha, right, and their family and their church in a powerful way. Yeah, thank you so much. It means the world. We've taken uh, our buildings in our different cities and turned them into help centers. So we can't meet. So now there are distribution centers for food and water and medicine, and we restock them every day uh, and every week. And uh, just partnering with you guys, it's going to help so many people. I mean, to some people, it's just a bottle of water. Some people have been locked down in the subways for days with no water, no food. And, and we just need to give them uh, the basics of life. Mm-hmm. And we have, to be, uh, we have to keep on doing that. Yeah. We, have, we have to endure in it and not just for a season. And uh, so thank you for doing that. You know, like I came to America when I was 20 and found a second home here. And I think the world uh, always is better when America is strong. Totally. And for us to partner with you guys and have this relationship, yeah. it means so much. You know, and in this darkest time, it's really important for people to see the light of Christ. And you wonder, where is God during a war like this? It's so awful. Um, but it's people like Yura and Natasha and the church. And the church will remain. Nothing can stop the church. You know, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's the church in Sweden going in and being there for the long haul when everyone else leaves or we forget about it and go on our daily lives is the church that remains to make a difference. So we're so grateful. You just interviewed Yura today. Yes, right I Right here from the woodlands to Ukraine. Yeah. And how's he doing? We're going we're gonna to show that in a minute. Yeah. I mean, he's doing it tough. I mean, he's put on, you're going to see in the interview, he puts on a smile. But after the interview, you know, you talk to him, he's not sleeping well, bombs going off. Now they started bomb Kiev again. And, uh, Things are just crazy. You know, he's doing so good during the circumstances, but, you know, the mental health of being in that situation, it wears on them. So even on the best of them, it takes its toll. But I'm proud of him, him and Natasha and the team. They're doing so good due to circumstances. Praise God. 
Well, here they are um, speaking to us, Woodland Church, as Andreas interviewed them this very day. Hey, Pastor Yura, uh, it is so good to see you. Hello, Andreas. Good to see you too. <laughs> I know may, uh, probably many people don't know who you are. Uh, you are our incredible, courageous pastor of Hillsong, Ukraine. So tell me, how are you? What's going on? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. First of all, I want to welcome everybody who's who, who's right now see us. And, um, you know, this war have a dynamic. And uh, I cannot say, I can say that now at this day, it's all right, you know, like, but some days are very, very difficult. And, you know, um, I thought, I mean, I'm 28 years in the church and um, I thought that, I never thought it's going to be, that hard, you know, the not easy, you know, we, as you said already, we, nobody prepared for the war, you know, but probably now we understood that uh, it can take long time. Um, we probably not waiting that everybody will finish, will be finished tomorrow. So we just need to be, keep being brave, keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, our, we just need to trust God every day. Uh, in our case, every day means every day. Because, uh, like, you know, like many people know, even today, like this, this night, one rock, a couple of rockets shoot in Odessa area. It's, it's, it's yeah. south of, of uh, Ukraine. Just for this moment, is 19 people killed. It just, it's just a building with the people. So, you know... Not Kiev today, uh, but this is our people. This is our country. You know, I never like we spoke. We spoke. We speak about. I'm pastor of our church, but now you know uh, our Ukrainians uh, means a lot to us. All people are means a lot. You know, yeah. it's just not fair what happening. These yeah. kids, these people are not. I mean, they they was just sleeping. You know, I mean, sorry for saying that. And, it, and it's almost yeah. like before, before you pastored a church, now you're trying to pastor a nation. And you guys been doing a phenomenal job bringing aid and medicine and food yeah. and water yeah. to hurting yeah. people. And we brought yeah. some armor-plated vests over for you guys and try yes. to keep you safe as much as possible. And, and tell us a little bit about that work. Yeah, so, uh, you know, even this Sunday, just let, I'll give you perspective one Sunday. Maybe it gives you a little bit more understanding what this Sunday was, right? Like we was waking up in the morning, me and my wife, six o'clock in the morning with huge explosion. And uh, it was six o'clock in the morning. Mm. And um, then everybody started to call from church and what we're going to do because, you know, we, we alarm is always, uh, Serena is always going on. So we still decided to go to the building because if something worse, we, uh, we're not going to be doing service. But 15 minutes before the service, uh this was a, a serena again and uh, we literally saw the explosions like about f we, we know already this type of explosions means like three to five kilometers from us where you are right now this kind of sound you know it's kind so, of like two, miles, two miles in america between a mile or, or one yeah. or two miles we, we, we already know the sound where how, how huge is the sound so it means like we know how much kilometer is from us so, you know, after this, people, you know, people was running to the bombshells and we cannot stream, this, we cannot do the service. I cannot ask people to come back and have a worship, you know, and all of this stuff because it's just dangerous. 
so this is just one Sunday, and you know yeah. this, it, they hit the some of this. Uh, and our people are living close to the like one of our girls just explained us that she she she, she hear the sound of rocket just flying, and uh, for three seconds she it was fly by, but for these three seconds she thought like I'm finished, you know, like so. Uh, and she was leading uh, our one of our worship leaders and she but she came to the church as well you know so this is crazy reality like mm-hmm. you you was asking you know probably about the shelter that we just open up and we helping people just for you to know what kind of people is there so we took uh, right now at the moment we have around 60 people there uh capacity is 70 so uh half of them are kids and uh, we brought them from the um, uh, war zone, yeah. eastern part of Ukraine. So for the four months, they cannot escape. So when they came to this hotel, it's a little hotel. So when they saw a warm shower and the white towels, so they literally cry. Like, li- li- listen, they just cry to see the white towels. And one of the fathers just sent us, we sent us uh, recently, we, they already have, they already one and a half, week with us and they he just started to send the photo kids start to smile so just like kids it's not normal when they not smile right but they they were so afraid they were so terrified by everything so we it took one and a half week that they start to say and he just sent us a photo with a smiling kid so uh we you know we 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 right now working with some areas around kiev and we uh, so many ter- terrible, like we, 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 the place where, where it was all bombed and the occupation was, so people had nothing, you know, so we came with them with the food and they just, just held saying, thank you very much for this food. We bring them. So there's just simple stuff like this. And you know, when you're there, your life is never the same. <laughs> and this, in this, you know, uh, evil time that, uh, Ukraine yeah. is going through, I want you to know that you're not alone. You got brothers and sisters around the world, even here in Texas, praying for you, believing that God will turn all things around for good. And, and we're going to do whatever we can to stand with you and pray with you and, and back you in every way we can. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Kerry, uh, for that time highlighting uh, everything that is going on, a little bit, at least a little bit of what's going on in Ukraine. And thank you, church, for partnering with us and trying to make a difference and helping people and serving people. I do think it's at the darkest times that the light has the potential to shine the brightest. So thank you so much. Well, I'm honored and privileged to uh, share a brief message with you guys. Uh, once again, it's been incredible to be here for a couple of weekends. We love you, church, and uh, we feel so at home. But I want to talk to you today uh, about three things. You know, I realized when I was in Ukraine and when we tried to rebuild church after the pandemic and, you, you know, the, the thing with the pandemic, I, I don't know what the lockdown was here, but it was, it was crazy where I'm from. It was, it, it was just, I didn't understand it. It was just, I mean, but I'm not a doctor, but it was a challenging time to build the church. The good thing is, I guess, as a church and personally for everyone, we had a time to reflect on what really matters, there's a whole lot of things we had that we never appreciated. And when we couldn't do it, we realized how much we value those things when we couldn't do them. There's a whole lot of things we, we were doing that we realized that we actually don't have to do. So there's always lessons to be learned. And I've been thinking about my relationship with God and what does God really want from me? And if we look at it as a community of believers, what does God really want from us? 
I mean, I know we're supposed to, uh, you know, witness and pray and do all these things. But when it comes to my life, when it comes to us as a community of faith, community of believers uh, at church, what is, what is God looking for? And I just want to share a brief message about three things that I believe God is looking for in our lives. I believe God is looking for faith. I believe God is looking for unity. And I believe that God is looking for honesty. And I think if we understand those three things, faith, unity, and honesty, that it literally can change our lives and the way we look at God. Because what we, who we think God is determines what we think God does. If we think he's a hard God, he's a, he's a, a God that is looking uh, to punish us and to catch us doing bad things, then we're going to live like we're scared of God. And our faith is going to be a reflection of who we think God is. My God is a good God. My God is a gracious God. My God loves me. Uh, sometimes I think he has a whole lot of work to do, uh, you know, keeping me in order. But I know he loves me. And I, and I want to talk about that kind of faith and faith that can overcome even the darkest situations. So let's talk about faith. One of the three things that God is looking for in our lives. In Romans chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, it goes like this. Against all hope. You ever had a situation when there was no hope? Or where everybody tells you it can't be done? You can't fix this marriage? You cannot start this business? You, you cannot get healed? You cannot get better? You cannot get past your, your anxiety? You cannot get past your temper? You, you can't be different? It, circumstances can't be different? Well, Abraham, he was a man who could not have kids. He's 75 and he's without child. And in the context of this culture at this time, it was a pretty big deal to not have a child, especially if you didn't have a son. So Abraham, is, he's 75. Sarah, she's about the same age and they have no kids. And God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to make you a father. And he says that Sarah was smiling when she heard that because she, she knew that her womb was dead. It, but the Bible says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became. So he wasn't, but in hope, he believed, and he became. See, faith can produce stuff that does not exist. Now, I know we live in a rational world where we like to look at stuff and we like to say, I just call it as it is. I just tell it as it is. I'm realistic. I am, I'm rational. I'm an intellectual person. I just tell it as it is. Well, listen, that's great, but that's just facts. But we have a God who can work against all facts. As a matter of fact, even Abraham, against all hope, there was no hope for him having a baby. There was no hope of Sarah at 75 having a kid. But Abraham decided to put his faith not in the circumstances, but in who God said he was and in the promises of God. And we always have this opportunity. We always have this choice. Am I going to put my faith in circumstances? When I talk to Yura and I hear the circumstances, there's not a lot to put a lot of faith in. There's not a lot of hope. But thank God that we can put our hope in a God that is above circumstances, that, that, that is about, above stuff that we can control. So Abraham, against all hope, believed 
And he so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. What does that mean? It means his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. You know how to read these two verses. I realized a couple of things. Number one, faith is producing. Unbelief is also producing. Faith is producing. If you believe according to the word of God, God takes responsibility for his word. Faith is producing. But unbelief is also producing. So you're always going to be producing. So you got to make a choice what you're going to put your faith in. You got to put your faith in the things that you can control, that you can do, in just the natural, in intellectual, in the rational. Well, then that's going to produce. And it's only going to produce what you can think. But Abraham, he put his faith in God, in the promises of God. The Bible says he believed and so became his faith was producing. I believe you can look at your circumstances and say, I, I, I see it for what it is. I'm no one who just puts a blind eye. If I'm sick, I'm sick. If I have challenges, I have challenges. But that's not who I am. And that's not the end of my story. And that's not all I got. I have a God who says he never leave me. He never forsake me. I have a God who says all things are possible if we believe. I have a Bible that tells me that the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. I have more than circumstances. I have more than what I can see. And, and when you put your faith in God, that faith will start to produce that which is not seen. Faith looks at the facts. He believes all things are possible with God, but he looks at the facts. I, I like that he says about Abraham, he faced the facts. You know, having faith and wanting to live a life of faith, it is not me. That you're stupid. I'm so, I don't know if you can say stupid. I just did twice. Sorry. But it's not being stupid. Sometimes you think, you know, all those faith people, they're just crazy. They don't, they just close their eyes. No. Abraham, he said, man, my, I'm 100, man. This thing, nothing's working anymore. My wife's almost 102. Man, we got separate bedrooms. We didn't even sleep together. Ain't nobody going to make a ba baby in this house. He faced the fact that God, my body's dead. It's not going to work. But he says, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. But it also says that he did it without weakening in his faith. You can face the facts and stay in faith. You can face the facts and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I got to do. This is what I'm working with. This is my challenges. This is my obstacles. You can face the facts, but you can do it without weakening in your faith. You can stay in faith, faith looks to Jesus, no matter the circumstances. And when Abraham was weakening in his faith, maybe a little bit, when he was just feeling overwhelmed, God says, hey, just go out and count the stars. Look up. He got him looking up to the stars. And Abraham said, I can't count them. There's so many. And God said, that's how big I am. Just trust in me. It's something about faith. If I look down, it is hard to have faith. But when I look up and I see the promises of God and when I elevate the name of Jesus over my circumstances, I always feel like my faith is growing on the inside. When I look at myself, 
I may feel despair. When I look at the surroundings, I might get confused. But when I look at Jesus, I always get changed. There's always people who will tell you that you're too naive when you choose faith. People who don't want to choose that path, they're going to tell you you're too naive. You're making it too easy. It is not easy to stay in faith. It is actually easier to give up on faith. You know, sometimes we might feel like we're protecting ourselves or others by not believing. Like, I don't want to believe in case it doesn't happen. Or I don't want to believe, like, like sometimes somebody's going through something and you go, well, I don't want to tell you that God can do it because God did it for me so he can do it for you. Sometimes we think we're protecting people by not pointing them to the faith, pointing them to faith in God and the promises of God. But listen, faith is not mechanical. Faith is not emotionless. It is not without empathy or sympathy. Faith is believing what Jesus has promised. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he works it. I don't know how he's going to come through on my behalf. I don't know how he's going to work all things together for good for me like, like he promised. I just know that that's why he is God. I don't have to figure it out. I just have to put my hope in Jesus and stay in faith. I believe God is looking for people of faith. Not people who are never weak. Not people who are never, uh, you know, doubting. Not people who, who never wanders a little bit. But people who will always come back and stay in faith. That greater is he that is in me than anything that comes against me. My faith in God will always trump uh, and trumps the, 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 what I can see in the natural. I'll always would lean towards God's promises over what I can see. I believe one of the three things God is looking for in our lives is faith. The second thing I think God is looking for in our lives is unity. Well, I don't know if we ever lived in a world that is more ripped apart and more just everybody's got an opinion about everything. And, you know, like, I'm not going to get into all that. And, but see, unity is important. The Bible says where there is unity, I think it's Psalm 133, where there is unity, God commands his blessing. Where there is unity, God commands his blessing. Do you want to live under God's blessing? Then you got to understand how to live a life of unity. It doesn't mean you got to agree with everybody. But as Christians, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can find a way to disagree on, on different matters, but still fight for the spirit of unity. If you live in, 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 in constant disharmonized or disunity with people, you're never going to experience the blessing of God. And that's why the, I think the enemy wants to divide us so much and want us to just take all these different stands and fight each other and divide us as, as a church and divide us as people and divide us as Christ followers and divide the whole world because he knows if there is disunity, there is no blessing. But the Bible says where there's unity, God commands his blessing. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 9, I got to say, I got two teenagers that are home and I love unity. Whenever I get some unity back home, man, it's a sweet thing. And I can imagine how God feels about it. Looking down at his children and see them fighting and see them getting at each other. All I want for my kids is to love me and their mama and love each other and get along. That's all, that's all it takes for me to be happy. And I imagine God is very much the same. And I think sometimes he looks down at us and, and he goes, why? Where's the love? 
So how are we going to live a life of unity? Well, check this out in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul, he says this. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self with its being, uh, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Now he's saying uh, here is no Greek or Jew. And he's saying that in a Roman culture. He's saying that in a culture where it's very important who you are and what you are. And your identity is in what you are. I'm a Greek. I'm a Jew. I'm Roman. But then he throws in Paul. He kind of throws in Scythians. I don't even know how to say that in English. Scythians. Now the Scythians were the most uncivilized people on the planet, known to man. It's like the uncle you never invited to the barbecue. It's like the one person, you know, if he's coming, we're going to have mayhem. We're going to have trouble. They're going to make a scene every time. Like the barbarian, the, the, the Scythians, they were, they were so uncivilized. And it's like Paul, he's trying to describe who we are in Christ. So he's like going, man, you're, not longer, you're no longer Greeks or Jews. Or, and he brings in the Scythians. You're not even Scythians. Even the Scythians are included now. It's like he's want to make this circle so wide so that we understand that God doesn't look at us. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm this. My preference is this. My preference is this. I vote this. I vote that. I think this. I think that. That's all great. But that's not who you are in Christ. As we receive Christ, we step into a new identity. And Paul says that since you have taken off your old self with its practices. It means I'm not my old self, so I don't behave like my old self. We're never going to find unity if we don't learn to die from our old self. I want it my way. That's what kids says. I want it the way I like it. I think the church should be like, I think the word should be like, maybe you're right, maybe you don't. But if that's what it takes, that you get your way in order for you to have unity with people, then you're never going to experience the blessing of God. Because where there is blessing, God commands his blessing. Where there's unity, God commands his blessing. Verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, do you think that is something we see much of in the world today? You flick on the news, you go on social media, do you see a lot of compassion? Do you see a lot of kindness? Do you see a lot of humility? Do you see a lot of gentleness? Do you see a lot of patience? Sometimes when we look at the church, I'm not talking about Woodlands Church, I'm talking about the church, the great church of the world. We see a lot of kindness. Is gentleness what we're known for? Compassion, humility, patience. Paul says this is the attributes of someone who is renewed in Christ. 
who have understood who they are in Christ, who's taken off its old self with his old practices. And now the sign of a believer, a Christ follower is compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How are we going to get along? How are we going to have unity? We will find it when we learn compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, check this out. Bear with each other. And who bears with anybody these days? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, why should we forgive? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But he's not worth it. Now you weren't worth it either when God forgave you. You don't forgive somebody because they're worth it. You forgive somebody because God forgave you. You extend the gift of forgiveness to people who may not deserve it. The way you received forgiveness and I did when I didn't deserve it. And over all these virtues put on love, which bind them all together in perfect unity. Love binds together everything in perfect unity. You're not a Gentile. You're not a Jew. We don't identify ourselves based on our background or preferences or differences. We don't relate to each other based on our positions or stands. We look up to Christ and his grace, his righteousness, and our unity is in him and his name. We look up to Jesus and we ask the Holy Spirit to come down and change us. Christianity is that we are saved in Jesus, find our identity in Jesus, and that we have unity in Jesus. There's rooms for differences. There's rooms for different worldviews. There's rooms for all kinds of different things. But if we don't have love and unity, we will never experience the blessing of God. The third thing that I want to close with that I believe God is looking for. He's looking for faith. He's looking for unity. And he's looking for honesty. You know, God can handle way more honesty than we think. There's a show in Sweden, a TV show program, like a series. It's called My Truth. And it's famous people or well-known people who are being interviewed, kind of like a 60-minute thing, you know, where they get to tell their truth. It's like everybody has a view of their lives. It might be like, like a tennis player, Bjorn Borg, or one of the members of ABBA, or, you know, Ibrahimovic, or whoever, you know, like a household name. And the, the show is called My Truth, and they get to say it the way they see it. And I think the thing with truth and the thing with honesty is that everybody has a truth. Our truth, because it's a coping mechanism. If I look at my past, I have a way of looking at it. It's my truth. Now, I met my... All of it may be right. Maybe some of it is not the way it actually happened. It's just become my truth. And that's the way I handle it. And sometimes we go like, I'm just being true to myself. Well, are you really? Is that what actually happened? Or is that the way you decided to see it? To actually be able to cope with what happened? I think we live in a world where we create our own truths. Just so we like the world we're living in. That person is like that. And that's the truth. And now I can be angry with it. See, there's only one truth. And his name is Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I think it's so important that we understand that. John 14, verse 6 says, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
John 8, verse 31 and verse 32, it goes like this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Listen, some people will never find freedom because they hold on to their truth. It is not my truth that sets me free. It is Christ, the truth, that sets me free. Which means that I need to take a step back sometimes from my truth. I need to step off my own throne where I've built my own kingdom with my own truth and say, God, I want to have your truth. God, I want to be humble. I want to open my ears. I want to open my spirit. I want to open my heart. God, I want you to speak to me. I want to see things the way you see things. I don't want to live by my truth that I've made up, my opinions, my experiences, my preferences. God, I want your truth. And that's how we get honest with God. Listen to this. If you don't remember much else, remember this. God is truth. He's all truth. God is truth. So he is never afraid of the truth. See, when I grew up, I learned how to put on a religious face. I grew up and he was fairly legalistic. I learned how to show people what I thought they wanted. And I learned to hide the truth. The problem is when I try to build a relationship with God, I, I thought I had to put on a facade or a mask for him as well. And it took me a long time to realize that God is never afraid of anything in my life. God is not afraid of the truth of my life. Because if he is truth, he's never afraid of truth. That's why the devil makes it so hard for us sometimes to come to God. Because he makes us think that we have to present ourselves to God in a certain way to get his approval. God is truth. So he's not afraid of truth. Whether that truth is that you're a backslider or you're falling short here, you're lying over here or you're hurting over here, whatever it is. And we, we, we live in a society where we just put another filter on it so no one can see it because hey, we'd rather show them a truth than them seeing the truth. And then we go to God and we do the same thing because we think that's what God will accept. But here's the thing, God, he sees straight through our lives and he loves us because he can see the truth and handle the truth because he is truth. That's why you never, ever have to hide the truth for God. The Bible says if we acknowledge the truth of our need for him or whatever it is, the truth will set us free. The truth of saying, God, I've fallen short. That is the truth that will set you free because truth will always lead you to Christ. That's why religion will never lead you to Christ. Religion will lead you to performance. It will lead you to play this game, this Christian game, this put on this act of Christianity, but have no relationship. It will tell you to do better, be better, shape up, work harder, be more, pray more, give more, read more. Religion just wants and wants and wants more and more from you, but it never leaves you anything. Bible says the truth will set me free. You know what the truth is? Long before you decided what you're going to do with God. Long before you decided how you're going to respond to the fact that he gave his one and only son for you. Long before you decided any of that. The truth is that God decided what he wanted to do with you. He said, I love you. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. There's nothing you can do that will make me shy away from you. That's why religion says you did wrong. 
So you got to go. But Jesus said, no, you did wrong, but I did right. And I forgive you. If we understand the truth, the truth will set us free. Honesty always leads to truth. And truth always leads to freedom. I wonder if you know that freedom. I wonder if you experienced that faith. I wonder if you felt that unity, that love that God wants us to live in so he can bless us. Three simple things. Faith, unity, and honesty. It all points to Christ and it will all lead us to Christ and the life that he has for us. I'd like to close in a prayer. And I want to pray if there's anyone in this room today across the link or online that never made a decision to put Christ first in your life and you never made a decision to encounter him and invite him into your heart, then today is the day. The truth is that he loves you. The truth is that he sees into your life. He knows all about you. And he says, I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you. I came to love you. God did not send his only son to judge us, but to save us, to make us better, and to lead us and guide us into the life that we were born to live. And today you can experience that life by saying yes to Jesus. Invite him into your life. Getting to know the truth about God and the truth about yourself. So please, if we could have every head bowed, every eyes closed, then I want to pray a prayer across this auditorium, across our links and online. Close your eyes in this moment. I'm going to count to three. If you're in this room and you say, Andreas, I want to pray that prayer. I want that truth. I want that freedom. I want that faith. I want to experience Christ. I want to be honest. I want to get to know Jesus. Then I want to pray for you. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, if you say, Andreas, that's me. Would you put your hand up just so I know who I'm praying for? Just everybody close their eyes. I'm not going to point you out. When I say three, if you say, Andreas, include me in that prayer. When I say three, slip that hand up as a sign to God. God, I'm being honest. I need you today for the first time or I need to resurrender my life to you. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put that hand up, please. Let me know who I'm praying for. So good. Online, on the other campuses. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your head, uh, hand down. I'm going to pray a prayer before we hand over to, to, to the other parts of the service. But everybody across the room and links and online, pray this prayer. Repeat this prayer after me. Thank you, Jesus. That you know the truth about me. And still you love me unconditionally. Today I surrender my life to you. Forgive me my sins. I receive you as my savior. Thank you Jesus. That you have prepared a life for me. Full of blessing. From this day on. I am yours. And you are mine. In Jesus name we pray. Amen, amen. Well, God bless, God bless you, Woodlands Church. We love you so much. We're praying for you, believing the best for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.